Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Good morning, all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I am your host this fine Saturday morning, Honest Dave DeBabner. We are broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, along with my sidekicks, Paul DeGracco and the man known as the GOAT, Alex Tavella. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, morning. sir. Alex, you got some creative backgrounds going on there. <laughs> you have tweaked your game there. Reporting live from South Philadelphia's Italian market. Are you are you feeling homesick for some uh, homie got a deal or something or what? No, nah, I'm never homesick. I like home, but I don't ever want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. You haven't been there in a while. I mean, literally since you moved, since you came down here, have you been back? Yeah, four years now since right. I left for a month or two or a couple months and came back. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Was it only a couple months? I felt like it was longer than that. Nah, it was only like three months. Really? Three months? Yeah. I, I well, it was. You know, I left during the hurricane hoax of seventeen or whenever it was. That's that was like September, and I came back by the end of December. So yeah. That's right. Yeah, you were wondering where to go to the hurricane. You're like, I might as well take uh, Carmine to go see. Yeah, I wasn't working at the time. Right, I might as well take a ride. Head on up to South Philly. Yeah, ride lasted uh, three months. Beats Disney. Beats Disney. Listen, neither of you, when was the last time you were in Disney? Either one of you? Uh, Never. Petra's 13, I'm going to say probably four or five years ago. Now, you're due for a trip with them, Abe. The oh. boy's got to go. The boy don't care about Disney. He would when he gets there. I mean, maybe not, maybe not Magic Kingdom. But I mean, yeah, I've Epcot, kind of, that kid would I've, love Epcot. I've kind of raised him like a man, so I don't. <laughs> I don't Stop it! Your son's interested in science and and futuristic stuff. I know he is. Yeah, that's not Disney. Disney's yes, Epcot. Disney. That's what Epcot okay, is. First dude. off, Epcot's for adults. All right, Epcot. Epcot <sighs> is for adults, hands down. None of the kids cared when we took them to Epcot. Even the older ones, it, you know, it's to try the different foods and booze and drink. And that's what Epcot is. It's not kid oriented. Not now, future world. Now, now but, but go ahead. Now, the older ones are, are ready probably for like Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios. You were too young for that the first time around, you know. Well, yeah, now Petra's probably the right age for that. Petra's definitely the right age and probably Zane, you know, so. But might- does Zane, is Zane, will Zane go on rides and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, that's where, you know, I know my son, and my son is not interested in waiting 45 minutes, let alone two hours, to go on a ride. I mean, I can hear this kid now. What the hell's taking so long? Who's Listen, the boss around here? You go with Violet. you go with me. We'll show you the tricks. I'll show you the tricks, man. The tricks that's all I can crazy. say. I, I can't reveal my secrets, but we never wait. we never wait more than 20 minutes for any ride ever at Disney. 
Yeah, Paul's a Paul's a lifelong member of the Mickey Mouse Club. <laughs> I wish I was. They do sell like a VIP Fast Pass service, but it's like five grand per person. We don't do that. Yeah, right. Could you imagine five thousand dollars to get? No, but that that's some other Fast Pass. They have Fast. No, pass. yeah, that's the like. Yeah, that's they like, have regular I'm Fast Pass. Yeah, that's like I'm a celebrity and I get to walk behind yeah. the replay. Yeah. yeah, there's a Fast <laughs> Pass you can get because we got it, but you get to choose like three rides. Yeah. Yep. And then you get a fourth after your third one's done. That doesn't exist right now during uh, post-COVID days. Oh. So they don't do any fast pass right now. But there's still ways. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it here. But but if you go and I happen to be there, or you go, I'll give you some tips. The tips, the tricks of the trade. Do, do you, yeah. do you talk about tricks and trades? Do you see what's going on with passports now? No. What? So. Nobody can get passports now. They're like, like a whole year behind, and people are. Trying I just to- got one in the mail for my kids. Maybe this was just California or something. I just caught a snippet of the news. But you know how you go online and you buy slots? They've shut yeah. down. They've shut down the website. I mean, when you go online, and you reserve space. If if yeah, you have um, to go, right? If you have a ticket to travel and you need to do it quickly, you can go online. They botted the site and took up all the spaces, and they're reselling them for thousands of dollars. Wow! Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. I should get a reservation. They, they 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 shut it down. They shut down the site. Some company, some guys went in there and put bots, and they bought they took up all the spots. So if you have a ticket to get out of the country, you can't you can't get in, and they're reselling the spots for thousands of dollars. The appointments, it's insane. <laughs> I've never been to wow. that process. I, it's, I mean, we've only I've only left the country once, but we uh, I don't know. My wife insisted that we get ones for the kids, but we did it like months ago. We went and took them. They got their pictures. It's ridiculous to have them for kids, though. Abe, you don't have them for your kids, do you? Of course I do. We were supposed to go to Jordan. Uh, but you were planning right, a trip, right, right. so you got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not planning a trip. I mean, we have friends that live overseas that we want to go see, but I'm like, maybe why, in three years, why, five why years. Would you, why would you wait? You just get them. You never know. You may yeah. You may commit a felony have to leave the country. <laughs> well, we got them, but with the kids, every every year you still have to renew them until oh, they're a five age. years, dude. I got my kid's passport, but what, I think Asher was like a baby. It's like five, it's five years when they're kids. But you still pay the regular fee, right? It's not like the adult one where like, Every X amount of years, you just pay a small fee and they renew it. No, bro, you, you. It's like the full application fee. She said it was like 150 bucks for the two of them. I don't know. Oh, crushing! That's like I'm just... that's like two Slurpees in Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> to put it into perspective, that's that's yes, very valid. I mean, seriously. Oh man! Do you know my name I... across the bottom of the screen for some reason? Oh, because I, I had it on you, uh, so I was trying to, you know. There we go make it professional what's been going on in your world is the is the warehouse done yet or what <laughs> i think that i think the the same contractors that you have working on your warehouse are the same ones that are, that are building my house right now listen you know covid may be over but i'm telling you right now like it's a post like apocalyptic covid world right now in everything Still getting things, right? Everything. everything. Service, parts, cars, rentals. It's it's a post-COVID. Booze, everything. Booze, yeah, out of booze. Out of booze. Out of booze. I was out last night. Oh, they're out of Belvedere. I didn't even say anything because I know we're out of booze. Nobody's got booze. 
I'm like, why don't you just tell me what you got? It'll be simpler. You know? Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's like a post-apocalyptic. Our washer and dryer, my, my oldest daughter, like, jammy-packed the washer, so broke the water pump. Oh, okay. So my wife had to call because it was still under warranty. The thing's not even two years old. My wife had to call. It was three to four days for someone to call her back to schedule. Oh, my God. Then the guy came out two or three weeks later. Then he needed a part, which took two or three weeks. You know, 45-minute, hour and 20-minute holds have become acceptable in the universe. Right. Like, what organization? Can you imagine? I mean, look, I mean, you know, we, we pride on our customer service, and sometimes our customers are truly unreason- unreasonable. But can you imagine people calling our shop and we say we, there was a message, you know, your expected wait time is 45 minutes. I mean, ridiculous. Or we'll call you back in two days to let you know when somebody will call you back. Yeah, it's become acceptable. So, yeah, you know. But But you're lucky you didn't have to get a new washing machine because I hear that appliances and furniture are like on six month back order everywhere. Anything that requires a computer chip is fucked. Yeah, we we were, uh, we're, you know, we're buying that, building the house and we're thinking about like, you know, what new furniture we're going to need. We're going to move most of the furniture over, but it's a much bigger house. And we were talking to friends of ours that just moved into a, a new build uh, about three months ago, and they still don't have their furniture that they ordered a month before they moved in. Bro. I'm like, my, what? What? My, my wife ordered a new set for Asher, and this was six months ago, maybe, seven months ago. I think he just got it like a week ago, and it all came wow. in parts. When I say parts, they delivered like the bed frame, then two, two months later, they delivered a mattress. Then two months later, they delivered the drawers without the dresser. I mean, it's like absurd. Oh, Coop is correcting me. Uh, I'm, I hope that's the case, Coop, because I might need some. Well, actually, no, I think the house comes with all the appliances. But still, we might need, you know, a new air fryer. I may want to, you know, up my game. I guess I that's not an appliance. I just oh, my God. We, we put everything in the air fryer. We got we, we bought one and we stopped using it. Oh. The air fryer is key when it comes to bringing leftover French fries back to life. Amen. And and get this, leftover bagels. Leftover if you take bagels, a bagel and you put wings. it in at 400 for like three and a half minutes on the air fryer, yeah. it's like you just got it from the shop. Right. It's amazing. Hot Kevin, I was out of a car for a month. They, they, didn't have, they didn't even have rental cars. You drove a mom wagon for about a week. I had to get a minivan, a mom minivan. That was all I could get after like being a week or two without a car. Yeah. Well, and then, and it's crazy expensive too, right? The the rental cars right now? Because we, we looked at, I was like, maybe we'll rent like a big Suburban or something to drive no, up here. No chance. Yeah. I mean, if you could get a one-way Big cars, rental, forget about it. You're done. Yeah. If you could get a one-way rental, it was like $3,000. It was like 2800 bucks for four days. With the mileage I wanted to put on, I was like, "Holy Christ!" We want to get like a like a a Ford Transit or like a Sprinter for the warehouse, you know? Yeah, and there are none, and the used ones are like going over sticker. I mean, it's like, not- yeah, that's down by us. I I'll I can I'll put you in touch with a guy up in Orlando. Yeah, I know. We've been looking for a Ford Transit now for like. We have a mutual friend that works with them. That apparently, I always get emails from them that they have Sprinters on their lot. I'll, I'll send you their information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm glad we're not in the market for that kind of stuff, but we, uh, 
Yeah, we've had a busy week here. I don't, I don't know about you guys. I'm sure with the warehouse, well, life the has been fun. The construction stuff is mostly done. Now they're just putting in the shelving system. They're moving all our stuff from five various storage bays over there, and products should be start shipping in. Some came in already. Uh, products should be coming in, majority of it, starting next week. Great. Um, still a long way to go. Um, we're, 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 we're shooting for uh, September 1st. When you showed the the hallway, like where the bathrooms are, for a brief second in that video that you just did this week, I thought that was the, the West Palm shop. It looks so similar. Oh, that, yeah, maybe. Like the doors and the and with the water fountain there. But we had, we had an interesting week. I was on Monday with Aaron and uh, That's right. Group and uh, Guttermerson and Sock and Riley, and we talked about the PCA. In fact, I think we got Scott Pierce coming on KMA. In a few weeks, we'll get to talk. Yeah, I saw to him. him. We'll get to talk to him about the PCA. See if he uh, watched that show. See what some of his take was on that show. That'll be interesting. So, um, and then uh, of course we had our event with Saka on Wednesday. A very successful event. Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. My days Thursday. are gone. Yeah, my days are gone. Uh, this know. week your days were really bad. Your days were my, bad this week. My days are bad. I'm forgetting where my kids are. I'm forgetting to pick them up, drop them off. I'm forgetting we got events and shows. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's gonna. Be, it's been a rough week. Uh, it's the week. This is your first week back, right, from Vegas or second week? Uh, I, don't, I don't even tell you. It's like a blur. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that was really something. Or something. It really is a blur. Well, I'll be back in uh, in about what nine days or eight days, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. If you miss me so much, oh, we're, we're saved. We're saved. Ball Cheers. I'll I'll come by and, and clog up the shop with uh, banter. When's the next trip? Who's got the next bachelorette party that you're going to? This is not a. Uh, it's not for that reason. We came up for the summer. No, I know, but you'll have something going on. I have a work trip in September, and we have a fun uh, work trip in September when we go to Tampa. Yeah. Uh, and then nothing. I got to move into my house. Hopefully, it'll be done when they say it'll be done in October. We'll see. Mark, the 10th anniversary KMA, I believe, is slotted for August 28th. I'm going to get a final lockdown and confirmation on that Monday. But I think it's going to be August 28th. August 28th is what we have penciled in right now. Yeah. Um but we'll just lock that in Monday just to be sure. Cool. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, Interesting. The shit show that some of the influencers caused. I didn't hear about a shit show that influencers caused. Anybody know? Um, or is he referring to the post? Which post? I don't the, know if he's referring to that post. I know Matt Tobacco made a post that got a little heat. Um... Matt made a post that got heat. Oh, he's coming. He, he's coming to his own. Yeah, a little, little bit. Just made a post essentially regarding media, or what some would say, or kind of like not, you know, media that guys are just walking around isolated incidents with influence. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm it's, really, it's really funny because when I was on the board, I think it was 15 years ago. That was the year. I was involved in making the the vote where we actually made a media pass. There was no media membership. Media just snuck in every year with either some manufacturer or some company or right. some retailer. And we voted to allow to, the media pass 
to make a media membership so people can right. join as media. And um, what was funny is I remember back then that we had set a guideline and a standard so that not every anybody just in his garage who posts once a year would get in. Right. And, and um, I thought it was a pretty good standard that we had set. So I don't know if they're not adhering to it anymore. No one checks it anymore. Or they're just selling media passes to anyone they want. But, you you know, we had standards that we had set. Like, you know, the, the site had to be active. It was an activity. They had to be around for at least so many years. Um, you know, I, I can't remember what it was 15 years ago. But we, you know, put some thought into it just to make sure that, you know, legitimate or more you know, vested media people were just coming into the show and not just anybody who wanted to come and check out the trade show. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, again, I don't know if that's what they were referring to, but, uh, you know, that was kind of the point of Matt's post and he took a little heat cause you know, people said, well, you're fairly new too, but I'd say to Matt's credit, I think he, you know, takes it pretty seriously. I would, I would say more than, than most actually he's, he's pretty hardcore there. And I think I think that's a problem. Some of them, you know, I'm sure were there just to party. And I mean, they were they were you know they think doing a live feed or a live stream makes them media. Right. You know, I mean, you know, my eight year old could do a live stream. You know, <laughs> so you know, I think some of them were just there to party and be there and be relevant and whatever. And then a lot of people, I mean, the most of them that I believe really take it seriously and, and make it a a journalistic, you know, work and, and, and provide uh, coverage for cigar aficionados, you know, all over the world. So um, I, I don't know if it was a big problem. You know, maybe there were a few flutters that I kind of noticed, like, well, what are they doing? But I didn't, I, I was very busy, but I didn't really notice. The problem. You know, let's, let's get our meet your maker on and ask him. Yeah, yeah we can. Let's see but before, before we play the video, just congratulations to Matt tobacco by the way he got engaged in vegas he did. congratulations should have just got married dude the whole deal right there in vegas actually that's true you're right yeah, let's just do it with elvis with elvis let's go he totally. said yes come on the little second, chapels right down the road listen second time's the charm <laughs> i don't i don't know if you know but it was a second attempt so he had messaged oh wait he he proposed to her before no he had this whole thing planned out one night and he messaged me i'm like oh good luck don't be nervous blah, 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 blah. then i saw them the next day and i'm like I don't know if I should say congratulations because yeah. <laughs> there ain't a whole, there ain't a whole shitload of smiling going on here, you know? <laughs> and then I found out that something went south. It didn't go as planned. She found out and whatever, and then ended up doing it the second night. So, Oh, okay. Second time's a charm. Oh, man, awkward. All right, let's bring in our Meet Your Maker, our old friend. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. From the hills of the Carolinas, our friend from Iconic Leak and Recluse Cigars, Mr. Scott Weeks, welcome back to KMA Talk Radio. Thank you for having me, guys. It's good to be here. I really wanted to be part of that conversation that you guys were having. I was chomping at the bit. The you are. That's why we brought you on. Yeah, we brought you on because <laughs> Abe could see you down there getting all antsy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you guys did a lot of great subjects. So it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, for putting us out in the um, in the the Stop. eyes and ears of, of the, the listeners. And glad to be here. So. 
Let's chew it up, man. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Disney World? You want to talk about the show? You want to talk about toilet paper shortages? Where do we need to go from here? Well, you know, it's been a minute since you've been on KMA, so it's good that we got yeah. on, Scott. But yeah. so, just scroll in for what we were talking about in our pre-show banter. Um, you, you, at some point, were not planning on attending the PCA show this year. And you haven't attended before, correct? If I remember correctly, you did miss a show or didn't go to a show somewhere in the past five, four or five years. Yeah, there was one show. I think it might have been. I think it. I'm kind of like you right now. My brain is like shrapnel, but I think it was. Um, I think it was 2019, actually. I think that we uh, that we sat out, and I think I don't remember exactly why at the time. I think it was um, that we didn't at the time. I think that we had a shortage of inventory, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to go to." to the show and write back orders for people that aren't going to see this for three months or so. Cause we were in a situation during that time, but I, in retrospect, it actually, I forgot what one of the main purposes of the show is to begin with. And that is to continue the relationship with people that are supporting you and buying your product. If, if you, I mean, just to be there and to, to, to hang out with them, to talk with them, to continue and, and, and grow those relationships. So I actually regretted missing the show in 2019. Now, uh, in were your plans not to go this year? Yes. This year was for a different reason, obviously, because, um, you know, I felt like, so I went to, I went to TPE um, and I went there and scouted it out and I was looking at what a, how organized it was and how well set up it was. And then I was thinking that, from, you know, having my ear to the railroad tracks that based on the feedback that I was getting that, that the PCA wasn't going to be, um, how should I put it without stepping on a landmine that the PCA wasn't going to be, the um, it was, yeah, it wasn't going to be up to its normal standards and that a lot of people weren't going and stuff. And then then I started thinking, you know, it doesn't make sense for me not to be there because why wouldn't I want to be there? And as a manufacturer, have less boats for people to fall in, you know, so if factors are going to be there and the retailers are there, then there's less boats for them to fall in. And come look at. It. So it actually turned out to be a very good show. Um, it was a more compressed version. Um, I think 40% of the show floor was not sold, but the part of the show floor that was sold, the, the large part, um, the retailers were active. They were, uh, excited. Uh, they, one thing that I saw more than anything seemed to be the theme during the show is I need to find some new products for my customers. And people were coming to the booth and they were uh, saying, this looks great. I need new products for my customers. And I was pretty shocked to hear that. And that seemed to be the theme during the show almost every day. Did you feel, I mean, look, with, with the show looking so small, it seemed like everybody had traction uh, this year. Very few people that I walked by and you'd see the normal, like, 
ghost town, which is kind of what I was been saying for years when I said they need to tone the show floor down because even if you get the same number of people every year and the show keeps exponentially growing, it just keeps looking worse and worse. And there'll be rows and aisles that nobody may walk down for days, you know? Um, but it looked like you had a lot of business and you had traction. So for you overall, were you happy with what you got out of the show? Yeah, I, I was. I really was. I'm glad I made that decision. And and the, the vibe that I would take away from the show this year was a uh, was a vibe. It, it felt more like family this year. It didn't seem like it was a, um, you know, I've, I've got to choose my words. I don't, you know, but like it did. You know how sometimes people, their egos make them want to prove that they got the biggest you know what I'm saying? So no, big. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it becomes a booth contest. Who can pee on the most fire items? You know what I'm saying? Right. And so um, it just and then and then their booth looks empty, and it looks like a ghost town. You can roll a bowling ball through it and wouldn't hit it. So, but but this year, I noticed that a lot of people got more to a a, a like it just felt. It just felt good to me. It felt more like family. I mean, even, you know, uh, Nick, you know, Perdomo. I mean, usually he has this great booth with the TV screens and all this stuff. And I think this year, I think he was in, I mean, I I kind of breezed by there, but I think it was in a 20 by 20 or something like that. Am I wrong? Or was it a 20 by 40? It was a smaller version of the show. Normally he brings his drum sets and whatnot. And, you know, just to put things in perspective, because a lot of people may not know your background, um, your father, I mean, your family has been in the industry for many long time. I think your dad might have actually gone to trade shows when it used to be one hotel room floor. Yeah, yeah. And my grandfather was in it, too. There you go. And my grandfather's name was Buddy Weeks. And he was in it for 20 years after being a, a police officer. And... Then my dad, um, Nick, for, yeah, my dad, Nick Weeks, started working for Philip Morris, uh, selling Marlboros down in Miami. Actually, that was part of his territory. And then he branched out from that into the cigar business. And I think the first uh, cigar line that we picked up uh, was, I believe it was Baccarat. Kareem. Uh, that's, Kareem. that's where I met your dad. When, when, yeah. when it was back when it was Carib imported cigars, which eventually became Camacho, your, your dad was one of the independent reps that worked for Carib. And, and incidentally, that's where I was when I first met you, when you yeah. were um, doing your previous thing. And it was called the label staple. Yep. I remember you came in and we were all there at the sales meeting and you were um, uh, presenting to all of us about these private label programs with the, you had like, uh, I think it was three different types of bands. There was, yeah, we made a menu book, right? Because Salad, Salad wanted told me about this idea how he wanted, they had these sticks that they had made, and they wanted retailers to make their own bands. I said retailers don't know how to make bands. Most of them have never printed a band. You know, I said, why don't you, why don't you guys just do it? And provide the finished product. Ah, oh, we don't want to do. It. I said, I'll do it. So we literally made a menu book. You had six different dyes. 24 variation of color combinations in those dyes, 12 different typefaces. And we just let people design their own bands. We would print them up, provide them to Karib at the time. They would band your cigars. And we we were doing like 
Like everybody, I mean, if there was, if, the, if you go back to, uh, let's see here, that was 98. If you go back to 2000, 2001, 2000, and um, if there was a shop that kind of had a house brand bundle, uh, I was pretty much making the labels for that bit, that cigar at the time. Most well, people, I had, I had no idea. Most people didn't know that, man. And, and it's funny is I got to learn because I had just gotten in the cigar game here in Florida. It was probably a couple of years. I got to learn who were really big accounts because I would see the amount of bands they would go through every month in their house brand bundles. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I mean, I can just tell you like eight to eight tobacco was huge. I mean, the Cassidy Monte Cristo in Chicago, but like I knew of these shops before I ever even got to know who they were, or where they were, the owl shop. Um, man, I had some big ones. I remember doing it. And uh, yeah, that, that's how I met Scott. I would go down and I presented this whole thing to all their reps and I had a little company called the label stable and I was making private labels for pretty much a lot of the retailers. It was a simple program. If you were a retailer, all you had to do was buy 10 bundles and you had a house brand. It was super easy. Right. It was ABC one, two, three. It just was laid out in the book. It was just so simple to present to them. All they had to do was just put a check mark next to this and this and this. And then we just submitted it in with their order and, and it was great. We were crushing it with that. So that was a great, program that that he designed. I think that was like I think that was like 1995. No, I, I was here in 6 and 8. It, it had to be 90. It was late 90s. I mean, it could be 99 and early 2000 around there. Yeah, was that was after the shakedown when everybody was shipping and stuff or was that Yeah, yeah, everybody everybody was getting product out and then they had this yeah. overflow of bundles they didn't know what to do with. You know, yeah. and they want to convince retailers to make their own house brands. And listen, for, for a guy like me who only had 900 square feet, you know, I had a little store. You know, no one's making me a house brand. And I say, oh, I could order 10. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's got them in there. Let's see. Oh, he's, gonna ha he's got one. I cleaned out my humidor this mm -hmm. week, and I found, here it is. Just to show you how shitty the printing was back then. <laughs> <laughs> I was cleaning this whole thing out, digging stuff up, and I found we, we, we had a Maduro and a Natural that I, we made for ourselves, my stores, and we sold a lot of it under this program. So, you know, this cigar is over 20 years old, but I actually found one that a customer bought me. Oh, my goodness. Look, oh, wow. how, look how ugly... Now this, now I'm just going to tell you something. This is not the earliest version. So I just noticed something on the back. So I'll tell you something. This program went so well. Yeah, I'll say it because it's history. So after like two or three years of doing this, it was going so great that, you know, they ended up screwing me and just doing it themselves and kicked me out. So, oh, no. yeah, I was making too much money, I guess. And they said, oh, you know, we will do this without Abe. So, I ended up scrambling because it was a great program and I did it for a short period of time with Nick Perdomo. And I just realized when I looked on the back of this. Ah, it's got the Perdomo. Yeah. This was one of the ones that we had done after Carib and it was with Perdomo, but this is it. So this has got to be at least 18, 19 years old. Wow. But yeah. This was one of the shapes you could get. And we had different backgrounds I think I did mine special. Look how lame that fire is. God, we were so bad back then. But yeah. Was that uh, the style on bands then? I, I mean. Well, I mean, this was one of the shapes. We had the traditional round. We had, I think I had six different dyes I had, had made. So you, you could have picked from six different variations of shapes and then 
all the internal color and patterns were different. A lot of them were more traditional. I made my own, like, some super funk, and I included my big logo on it. There's our old logo. Wow. Yeah, there's a little piece of history. Some of them were pretty basic, and that, that one's actually a little more colorful. than. Yeah, that. because I did it myself. I customized it and whatever. But, yeah, I mean, most of them were off a menu and very traditional looking. But, but, but you know, everybody was very happy at the time. History. That's History. awesome. You were able to pull one of those out from your cabinet to aid secret cigar society. Bro, I just cleaned it out last week. I came across it. I mean, literally. Was That's pretty- a story we've never talked about here. I, I didn't know that you did this. The I didn't know anything about this. We might need to make a limited run of t-shirts with that, that band on it, Abe. The old <laughs> little throwback. Oh, retro, the retro uh, t-shirt? Yeah. You know, it's funny. We're supposed to be interviewing Scott, and now you guys are taking me down memory lane. <laughs> I mean, this is fun. This is, but but that's how long you've known Scott. I didn't I didn't realize it had been that long. I knew his dad was in the business. I didn't know your grandpa was in the business. I didn't Scott. know his grandpa was in the business, but I knew Scott's dad before I knew Scott. Yeah, Scott's dad, dad. Scott's dad and Sal were were um, friends. Oh, okay. That's how my dad started getting into cigars, actually, because you know we we had Zippo lighters and K Woody Yellow Bowl and Medico pipes, and um, you know, you know when you say when you say K Woody, half our audience don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, K Woody K Woody Yellow Bowl and Medico are were inexpensive pipes that you could find in like probably a lot of them don't know what Eckerd's is either. but um, if you look at Walgreens and CVS, there was a drugstore that was bigger than those called Eckerd's. And the Are, U.S. Eckerd's, gone? Are Eckerd's gone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've been gone for a while, but yeah. um, they had these spin racks with pipes on them. And so that's what they had on there. My dad used to go around and sell those, sell the BJ Long pipe cleaners and Zippo lighters and all that stuff. Um, Sal, BJ Long pipe my dad. Say what? I said we used to have BJ Long pipe cleaners. I have them here in the house. My kids use them to do crafts with. So, <laughs> but um, but Sal uh, called my dad, and that was the first line that he picked up was Backrat, and then uh, he picked up Fuente. Uh, he was one of Fuente's first reps, um, and you know they had independence at that time, and then when they made that deal with J.C. Newman. Uh, they offered my dad an in-house position, and he decided he wanted to stay independent. So they they went in-house. Um, but um, yeah, just about every company: uh, Davidoff, Ashton, Laguardia, Cabana, Fuente, <clears throat> Cao, Tarano, Oliva. Uh, uh, almost every company <laughs> that I can think of, except for Perdomo, Drew Estate, and. General and Altidus, and maybe a couple others like Alec Bradley. Other than those, uh, my family has worked for almost every other company at one time or another, helping them build their company from the ground up. Now, they did you go? Did you go right in business with your dad, or what did you do before, Scott? Uh, I was a um, a promoter, a music promoter. I had the Kill Auditorium, and uh, which was which is in St. Louis. And I had the uh, Winter Coliseum, which is south of Charlotte. And I would um, basically 
handle, I worked with a company out of Fort Lauderdale and they would book uh, acts on 80 show tours around the United States. And then two of those stops were at my locations that I had the rights to. And so I would handle all of the, the all of the logistics and everything for the acts, making sure that they were paid the security the venue, the insurances, the making sure that the lighting, the sound, everything was, was there and was ready uh, for the, for the performance. So that's What's, what I did. What size venue was it, Scott? You talking about the keel? Yeah. The keel auditorium, I believe at the time that about 5,000, Oh people. God. Okay. Oh, that's so, not a small yeah. one. Right. So yeah. So we're talking when, when you say uh, a venue, like I, I think like the venues that I used to work at like 400 seats or something. So you're like, that's, oh, you're in the big time. Oh, Scott was legitimate, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, Obviously. But like we would, you know, I enjoyed that, but I spent uh, seven years doing that and I, and it was mine. So each, each one is like a franchise. And it's owned by each individual. So at right. that time, my, my business was called Scott Weeks Enterprise. And I didn't feel like for seven years, I, I worked, you know, every day. I had an enormous amount of fun. I had a lot of famous people. I developed a lot of great relationships. But I didn't take a vacation. And I was exhausted. And my dad came to me. really needed the help because we're, we're talking about it was ni- 1993 when my dad came to me and he was overwhelmed because he had 11 states and he had like 15 different lines of product and I'm not talking about small stuff. Okay. Uh, and, and he was overwhelmed. And so he, you know, wanted me to get in the cigar business. And I told him, no, I said, I don't even know anything about cigars. So I, you know, I'm making money doing what I'm doing. You know, six months later, he came to me again, and then he tricked me into coming by his office, and then he opened <laughs> up the book. And I was like, what's that? And he said, that's how much money I made last year. <laughs> and he said, yeah. And I said, uh, what's the, what cigar would you recommend that I try? So <laughs> the, the first cigar that I tried, I believe, was a – was uh, from Davidoff. It was the private stock number 11. Private which stock. Was, yeah, I think it was a private stock number 11 was the first cigar that I tried, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. And I, I enjoyed it. You know, my dad taught me about it. He explained it to me and told me how to do it. And so I started, you know, enjoying it. And I started actually really feeling that there was a natural, like, pull for me to do that. And but here's the thing, guys. Okay, there was no GPS. Okay, most most of the cell phones were the pouch phones with the antennas and stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and so, I I had to I had to learn. Okay, so at that time we had Davidoff, Miami Cigar, La Gloria Cabana. We had Oliva. We had um, we had. Uh, Fonseca. We had uh, Juan Sosa with Antillian cigar. We had uh, Carib Imports, which was uh, Camacho, uh, Baccarat, La Fontaine. We had all those lines, and then we had these big accessory lines like Arango that has four thousand different products. And then we had FGT, and then we had Zippo, and then we had lighter companies, okay, and pipe companies, all right, like Master of the Pie and all that stuff. 
So I'm coming from another business and I had to learn all of these products, but not just learn all of these products from all these companies, but I had to learn 350 different retailers in 11 states. Oh. And then I had to remember how to get there. <laughs> so I traveled around with a road atlas map. If anybody remembers what that was. Okay. So, and I had each account charted on the blow up of the city page on each one. And then I had it figured out to where to go, what to get in. And like, it was oh. really, if it, and thank goodness it was the cigar boom because they're the retailers that I dealt with had a lot of grace and they took me under their wing, but I think it's because they needed product and they didn't give a shit. They were just like, hey, <laughs> you can send a drunk monkey here and I'm still going to buy. So don't worry about it. You can screw up if you want. Kind of like he, got, he got here. He got here. So we may as well buy something. Right. Oh, kind of like what we're at. 1500 boxes of Baccarat, you know, this and give me 1500 boxes of that. And that's the way it was going. Cause nobody could get product. They would expect wow. to get hopefully 10 or 15 boxes and they'd order 150 boxes. Okay. Or like I would go in and one of the companies was, was us tobacco, which was Don Tomas and Asperol. And Don Tomas was one of the, the, the us tobacco was one of the few companies that was actually shipped. I go into stores and they'd give me, give me, give me, 1,500 boxes of Don Tomas special edition number such. And, and, and they get they get 10 boxes, okay? So, like, if we had shipped, been able to ship every order that we wrote in 1994, 1995, and 1996, I'd be doing this from a yacht right now in the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's serious. It was crazy. And, and and those brands after that lawsuit and settlement, they just, I don't even know if they still make those brands. Those were so big back in the day. You remember Roger Fouch and James McNeil? I don't, that was early on. I mean, I heard of them, but I don't know them. Yeah. Well, those were the heads of, uh, of U.S. US Tobacco Cigar at that time. And then if you remember that, they decided to go with Southern Wine and Spirits. And, oh wow! Well, that's what happened. They got started getting in every liquor store, and those—that's what made those brands so popular. Don Tomas and Austral. What they didn't realize, and it was too too late, is half these guys who had liquor stores didn't know how to keep and take care of or sell cigars. So, by the time a real connoisseur would go into these stores, these things would be dried out. They buy it, and it would suck. And so. That I think that was during the boom. I don't know. I think that program lasted what two years, maybe three years, Scott, and then they pulled it all out. Yeah, because basically what happened was they pulled the pulled the found the concrete foundation that they had in the retail support out from under the retailers, and and put it into the liquor stores and and, and tried to have both, and the retailers weren't putting up with it. And it also it also de 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 destroyed destroyed uh, the, the, those brands at the time. Yes. And and if you remember, I think when they tried to get them back out on the market, they were offering this incredible deal to, to, to basically, I think, buy it back on the shelf. And listen, those brands are great. I think, think that there were some decisions that could have been done differently that would have um, made made for a different outcome. You know, um, and, and a lot of, you know, I mean, listen, people want to grow. And sometimes people, you know, uh, they take a left turn off the interstate. You know, they don't, 
they make a bad decision. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes bad decisions can be unforgivable. So, you know, just always treat people the way you want to be treated and always try and do the right thing by people. Absolutely. I got to apologize because early on when you were talking, I was shuffling through my desk. But like I said, you got me in this like week of spring cleaning. So when you were talking about the label program, I knew I had saw this. I had to dig it up. I'm going to see if you could recognize it. But before I show that one, I came across our first ever business card from 1996. And then then here's this card. I don't know if you even remember seeing this. Can you put, oh, wow. No, I don't remember seeing that card. That was that was the company. That's <laughs> that so nineties. That's so nineties. Wow, that graphic design. But yeah, this is the beginning of my graphic design career. I sucked. <laughs> and it's really funny because Alex hears me talking to some of our graphic guys, especially some of the new ones we hire. I'm like, dude, that that's just like so like twenty years ago. You got to get out of that. And I keep telling him, and then I pull up crap like this. And I say, see, this is the shit I was doing twenty years ago. Crap. Right, right. But yeah. I think name. it's pretty effective because it shows what you do. Like, got it right there. It could have been done nicer, bro. This is like, I was like 25. But yeah, I remember coming across that. I saw that, that card, man. Let me dig that card up. <laughs> that is That's, funny. Yeah. You should do spring cleaning more often, man. Well, we had all this stuff that I was given at the show, and then I have all these things I just keep collecting. So we just went through. Alex was a nice beneficiary of a lot of cigars recently. I was, I was. Dave had to make room. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. I got, I got room for it. Yeah. yeah take these, take these, take these. Did you Damn it! I w- yeah, I wasn't around. I, yeah, you, I should. I wouldn't have given you anything. Did, <laughs> did, you, try, did you try those ones that, that we thought might have been? Uh, yes. Yes. And I, mean, I can't remember what that original Shaggy tasted like, but. I but I want to say that it is. I want to say that it is construction wise. I say hundred percent because it's the same mold. It's the same look. It's construction just wise. The wrapper, the wrapper looks a lot lighter than the original blend that we used to have, but even burn wise, like it had that dark ash that, I mean, I, I want to say, yes, it is. It is what you thought it was. Yeah, okay. You know, it's funny. Abe is like the Abe has given me a lot of cigars over the years. I'm very thankful, but I, he has given me a lot of cigars without uh, bands on them. And once or twice he's told me, I, I have two cigars that Abe gave me that one's like, this is a secret. Like I, you gave it to me and I think Alex at the time, but whoever it was, you're like, this is something we're working on. Nobody knows about this. I still have it. I never smoked it, but now I think it may be a red meat lovers club. Could be. Could be. I, I, I'm looking at it. That's what I thought it was. But I have a bunch of unbanded cigars from you, especially Abe. And then sometimes, like when we have manufacturers on, the, uh, the, I'll have either like a white label and they wrote on it. Like sometimes Saka has done that. Like he's given us cigars with like a just like a piece of paper around it, and he writes and he writes what it is on it, or just cigars where they write with like Sharpie on the cello. Well, like, for the longest for the longest time, Scott had, and I don't even know if we still have any left anymore, but he had a cigar run that he had done for us. I think it was 1,000 or 1,500 sticks that was strictly for our R&V limited bundle room. Um, you know, the, the octagon things where we have stuff that's made for the R&V room? Yeah, yeah. They had an iconic something that was in there for a while. But we get we, – we, we do so many projects where we just get cigars that usually have writing on a Ziploc bag like – 
<laughs> he's see, he's got the whole like this. Oh, we took it out of the Ziploc bag because we we had gotten these from Matt Booth, and we wanted them to rest before we smoked them. But you know, here's a future project that we're working on with Matt LBD, Little Big Delicious. I know we we talked about it at the trade show. But when I was cleaning out, we got these Ziploc bags, and then sometimes we move them. And I'm like, like, damn, which one was this? Which one was this? But a lot of our projects sometimes don't make it to, to the end game. We start on something, and either we don't like where it went or how it's going, and we move on to something else. But, yeah, we had a lot of those. Well, stuff catches organically, right? I mean, you, you, I mean, obviously, you know, you know if something's gonna, gonna, gonna stick or not because it's or it's got an organic, natural thing that grows on its own. Sometimes you can a cigar doesn't get the recognition that, um, and you can bring that recognition out that can bring people to that cigar. But that you know, that's like drawing the mosquitoes to a bug light. But the cigar's got to make them want to come back and get zapped again. So like. Sometimes we just can't get where we want to get to, Scott. We've had a couple micro blend projects that we've started with manufacturers, and the process went back and forth three or four times, and we didn't find or hit that spot we wanted to in the blend. And it's not like we give up, but at that point, we usually get distracted and move on to something else. And there's been a few projects just it never came to follow through. Yeah. Well, then, you know, everything I've ever known about you is you're a pretty solid dude. So maybe there's a very good reason. Yeah. We just didn't find the blend. We didn't, we didn't nothing yeah. wowed us to where, you know, sometimes you know, look, it's just like, you know, Alex experiences all the time. We have multiple graphic artists and sometimes we look at a job and I will tell him, give it to that guy or right. give it to that guy. Right, because, because you know who will be a good yes, guy. Yes. Yeah. Right. More aligned to this guy's skill set. This is more aligned to this yeah. guy's skill set. I mean, our perfect, perfect example was our, our advent calendar that we've been showing off recently. You know, uh, one of our guys who was ideally the guy to do it was out and we had one of our other guys do it. And if I showed the original version, I think people would laugh, you know, and at first it didn't look so bad. And then the more and more you look at it, you realize this is not what we want. Yeah. It was, it was like, like it was a little more cartoonish. And then yeah. we knew we said, give it, give it to this guy and he'll, he'll sexy it up a little bit. And yeah. it's exactly what he did. And I think that's the same awesome. thing. I think that's the same thing we run with cigar manufacturers. Sometimes guys, we talk to them, we give them like perfect. Honestly, the, the AJ Fernandez cigar we just did anonymous. We literally said, "Look, we like this part of this cigar, but we want to try it with this." And the first batch we got, we smoked them. Like, okay, I don't, I don't think we need to go any further. That was it. Yeah, literally, it was like holy cow. And then sometimes it's two or three times, so it just depends. You know, it just depends. But. Um, Look, we got a lot going on. We got hour two going to come up. We're going to get to Scott. Now that we've gotten his history, you learned about who he is and his family. We're going to talk about his cigars. So you can learn a little bit more about him. This white label doesn't want to show up too good. But there it is. Recluse. <laughs> there it is. That's the, that's the Amadeus. I like the Draconian. That's what you're smoking, Scott? That's what I'm holding. I would like ah. to be smoking it, but I can't smoke it right now. <laughs> I, I remember my first introduction to recluse cigars well you're going to tell us that story right after this break you can tell us about your first introduction we're also going to have as the record spin by Avo cigars in hour two of course our man coop see what's going on with him and are we up to speed for um tail the tape season two yeah good we'll see uh who makes the list this week so stick around we'll be right back in a very short break keep it lit surgeon general warning 
Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. Currently available at your favorite cigar store, the Romeo y Julieta Reserva Real Nicaragua is another fantastic collaboration between AJ Fernandez and Rafael Nadal. Landing a number one cigar of the year of 2020 by Cigar and Spirits magazine, the Reserva Real Nicaragua is handcrafted at Tabacalera AJ Fernandez. This Nicaraguan Puro is a medium to full body cigar that is packed to the brim with flavor notes of leather, coffee, and red pepper, which pairs nicely with a spiced rum. Available in four sizes, Romeo y Julieta returned to prestigious form with the Reserva Real Nicaragua that should be enjoyed by all. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. Commercial time. You know, honestly, Abe likes originality. He doesn't like repeats. And I like to sleep with a glass of Bonner Private Wines next to my bed so that when I wake up in a cold sweat because I forgot to do something for him, I have it here to relax myself. It really is good wine. See, Bonner Private Wines is a partner with KMA Talk Radio, and that means they're a partner with you. You can try any of their wines by going to kmawines.com. You can try their three-pack wine sampler. You can also try one of my favorites, Sunal. It's from the third highest vineyard, altitude-wise, in the world, 8,950 feet. And it's delicious. goes well with a great cigar. So check it out. And I'm going to go back to sleep. And hopefully Abe will not yell at me today. But first I'm going to finish this. Okay, you guys can go now. You don't see the teddy bear, right? No. Okay. That's all I need. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I think we're going to start. I think we need to take your commercials and closed caption them so people can actually hear what you're saying. Is, was it too low? I, I know. Yeah. I need. I need to get a lapel mic. Is what I need. But actually, we have to update all the commercials anyway because they just. I talked to them yesterday. And at Bonner Private Wines, uh, after next week when you go to their site, uh, if you go to um, kmawines.com, they have a new subscription program coming out, which is really cool because it's only going to be rare um, altitude wines from the Argentinian region. And it's going to be like a every other month subscription. But it's it's three bottles every other month for a hundred bucks, something like that. They just came out with it. The first, I think, the first one that you join is sixty nine ninety nine. And if when it when it goes live after next week, if you go to kmawines.com, you'll get a discount, our further discount, and the free uh, the free shipping as well. So uh, they have some cool stuff coming out. They've been making these deals. Literally, they go to these like little remote vineyards in Argentina that really can't have distribution other than like local areas. They're just not big enough. So they'll say, all right, we'll take uh, a thousand cases of your wine. So, but it takes them months and months and months and months and months to fulfill that type of order. So they just have an ongoing order with them. So it's, it's going to be wine that you won't ever be able to get, at least in the States at like a regular liquor store or from any other subscription services. So they're doing some cool stuff over there, man. Hopefully we'll get to try some more of it. 
so my question to you, Paul, is when's the last time you got samples? What? Do you think that I'm getting samples and not sharing them? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll say this. We got samples that one time for Cam A, and I gave you yeah, like, like, I gave you six bottles, right? Like a year ago. Yeah. I ha- I did so I have to preface this because they're they're my client in my in my day job. Oh, so you're so they, you're assuming you're getting the samples because of that relationship. I did. I did though. They were sent to my office for the owner of the company that I work for and he does not drink. Mm. So he was like, get this box out of here. There's this big giant foam box sitting in the middle of the office while we're trying to clear it out because we were getting rid of our office at the time. So I, I did take three more bottles. They, they have since been, you know, my wife has to test them. She's a certified sommelier. Like we have to keep in the game, you know, so, <laughs> she, hasn't, she hasn't worked in two years, but you know, Steven, that is the Philly market, South Philly market. You want to know yes. what your background was. I was just actually commenting. Yes, that's the South Philly oh. street Italian market behind me. So Scott, before we get into your cigars and your line, we have a very special segment from Avo Cigars where our good friend over there, Eddie Guerra, poses a very special question for you personally, and it's As the Record Spins by Avo Cigars. All right, Scott, our good friend Eddie Gear over at Iowa Cigars would like to ask you if you had to choose one genre of music to listen to for the rest of your life, what would it be? Classic rock. Yeah, that's kind of a layup. That was, oh, that was, a, quick, that was a quick answer. Well, I mean, yeah. look at I mean he's a music guy, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, look at the era he's from and the part of the country he's from. I mean, you know, you know. No, it's okay. Favorite classic rock band? Van Halen. Oh wow! I guess they would be considered metal, though. So I would say, oh man, you, you're gonna. You, all right, so that that one I got to think about. Now we got him. Now we got him. Yeah. All right, so I would say probably Boston. Oh wow! Ooh, I, that's just another band I'm a Boston. More than a feeling. Right? Great stuff, right? Don't look really, back. More than a feeling. We're really dating ourselves right here. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I'm obviously, I'm not from that era, but I, my first real, real radio job was we at know a classic rock station. Song. We know what your favorite song is, Paul. You know what my favorite song is? What's my favorite song? It's a small world after. <laughs> no, that's yeah. just your ringtone. You after all, it's a small, <laughs> small world. Come on, Paul. When a, when you sing that when you go to bed, don't you? You got like a little nightlight. You hit it, and all the little figurines come out, and the little colors on the wall, and puts you to bed, right? I sing it to my kids. See, I sing it my, to my kids. My marketing wheels are spinning. I'm sitting here thinking. Everything Paul says, I'm thinking about the next wine commercial. <laughs> well, at least somebody is. Like we have that. It's a small world after all, and then have like a drone zoom in on him, and he's sitting on a picnic blanket on the mountainside, you know, wearing 
some kind of that was uh, sound of music. Wearing a yellow kind of, dress. <laughs> that sound of music. Wearing a yellow <laughs> dress. <laughs> wait till wait till you see. I've been collecting Disneyana. They call it like like Disney Park uh, props from uh, eBay and such for my new office in the new house. It's gonna be. You, I don't know if I'll ever allow you to go in that room, actually, Abe, because I'll never live it down. But there's some really cool stuff. One thing I think I told you about is I bought um, an original cigar band from Disneyland that I guess uh, Disney used to buy bundled cigars and put their like their park label on it because they used to have tobacconists at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World when they first opened. So I, I have a cigar band that's in a little glass case. From uh, It's an original cigar band from actually – One's from Disneyland and one's from Disney World. Paul, Paul, Paul said he's never going to let me in that room. Paul's never let me in his house, man. That's not true. I've dropped off gifts and they meet me at the door. Oh, here's a nice birthday gift. Okay, thanks, Abe. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. wait. And this is a guy who said they had nobody to walk the dogs. Right? (laughs) He goes, we didn't know what to do with the dogs. I said, dude, I live five minutes ago. Yeah, I don't know if I trust you to come in our house. Like, (laughs) What do you think I'm going to do? Sniff your underwear while I'm in there? No, no, no. I because I feel like you'd walk in my house and find things and take pictures and like like put it on the air, that's like make you, fun of me. That's what you do, Paul. You're the weirdo <laughs> that wants to know every little nook and cranny about. Me. <laughs> and wait a second, you what have you hiding, been in my Paul? house. What do you have? You have well, you know the people that are locked up in the basement. But listen, you've been in my house because when when we when you Brandy and I went on that date that double date with our wives. Didn't you come in my house because you were playing with the dogs? You didn't Dude, come in. You were outside. No, it's like at the doorway. Hey, how you doing? Uh, 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 click. <laughs> I've literally dropped off a bottle of wine for whatever holiday. They made me do. Hey, hey oh, oh, thank you very much. Click. <laughs> Never once said, come on. You want to come inside? You know, nothing. I'm Paul has some heavy secrets in his closet. I'm telling you, Paul's hiding shit. <laughs> I think is after that wine commercial. I think there's like some. There you go, Alex. You, hey, listen, you could go to my house right now. It's all, it's all dressed up for the showings. Oh, here we go. Of course, act, Alex. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's cute, man. It's perfect. <laughs> oh God. The oh, funny thing is, he doesn't, doesn't look that bad in it. No, it fits him perfectly. It, it works. Yeah. It, it looks kind of natural. It, it does. It's very comfortable and happy in that moment. It was not the first time I was in a dress. We've it, talked it, about it, this. I've been on a dress. I've been in a dress on stage before for shows. I'm not going to paint our custom our uh, viewers any longer. Let's get rid of that. In fact, that could be one of the happiest pictures I've ever seen of Paul. <laughs> it's very happy and just living his best life. Living his best life. You got to do you, man. Just do you. <laughs> uh, All right, Scott. And- Oh, good. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's get to. I was gonna say, and that was in South Georgia. It was a it was a fun time when I came out in that dress there. Yeah, you so, look, you made it out. Yeah, exactly. My brother in law's family were like, "Whoa, what is the deal here?" I gotta say, this has to be one of the most ingenious cigar bands that I've seen. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. You don't want me to talk about it? <laughs> yeah, you can. I just don't want people knocking me off. So, but yeah, they, they, they will. will. They will. They, they will. No ways to knock you off. Trust me. Um, but this is pretty ingenious. You know, just to talk about ingenuity sometimes goes under the radar, right? So it's very common to have double cigar bands. 
right? On a cigar, right? Top and a bottom band. This is what right. this looks like. It's a double cigar band, but it's not a double cigar band. He's oh, is got, it clear in the middle? Yeah, it's just an opening in the middle. Ah. And the sides are the, the, the shade of the cigar wrapper. You see that? You know I've smoked that cigar and I did not notice that. Because well, you're not a creative and observant person. So Obviously. So look, look. The, the, I'm going to see if I can show this. This is very creative. So the side right here, this is where it connects it, but it's colored the same color of the cigar. Look at that. Wow. Did you so see you that? Said, wow. Yeah. So it looks like it's two bands, but instead of a, a, a label guy having to put on two bands and a cigar, he puts on one and it looks double banded. And they're the perfect distance and, apart. Not, not just that, the other way too. I mean, that's the little small nuance for, you know, the consumer. When I'm smoking a cigar, it's, uh, 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 I'm getting down to the band. Let me take the bottom band off. Uh, I'm getting a little further. Let me take the next band off. Listen to me. That's, what I, that's how I just realized it. I went to take the secondary bottom right. off so I could have more cigar. I'm like, this whole band came off. Yeah, that was uh, that that was that was a multifaceted decision. That the hardest part of, of doing that was to get the color right because yeah. wrapper variations, wrapper color variations change. Oh, true, color. right. And so I had to take several different uh, color variations and put them up to a color and find and and do that on each of the different blends and find the color that would work with all the different variations. And so, and then, and then a lot of times when you pick the color, it doesn't come out on the print the same way it looks. Right, right. Green or on that. So it was very, it's very difficult to get that color. But here was the, the reason. Like one of the things that we do in my factory, our factory is called Tobacco Letter Leyendas Cabanas. It's a partnership between me and JR Dominion. And we only roll the iconic leaf cigar uh, brands out of that factory. And incidentally, everything I, I'll go into the rolling method in a minute, but but basically, we put the best of every manufacturing process together into the iconic leaf cigar stable of brand. Um, so that band was done for several reasons. One is Abe already uh, kind of brisked by the the first reason is that when the when the people are putting the bands on the cigars. Okay, they have to take the primary band, put the primary band on. Then they have to take the secondary band and put the secondary. All of the primary and the secondary bands need to be spaced the same, and they need to put be put the same place on the cigar. When the when 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 the cigar consumer looks at the the cigars in the box and all the bands are lined up perfectly, they have no idea how much of a headache that is because the the. Every single band has to be put on the same place of the cigar. And not only that, but they not only do they have to be put on the same place, but they also have to be spread out equally so that when the cigars are in the box, all of the primary bands line up across the box. All of the secondary bands line up across the box so that everything looks uniform and neat. Well, guess what? That's a pain in the pecker. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and it takes a lot of labor because you gotta you gotta waste a lot of bands, there's a lot of mistakes being made, bands are put on crooked and makes a product look. So basically what I did was I designed a way to cut the labor by a third, okay? So th to put the bands on the cigars, automatically those bands cut the labor by a third because they don't have to work so hard to line everything up. There's not as much waste and, and they can just put the, and the, the people that put the bands on are extremely happy because all they gotta do is wrap around, it lines up perfectly, they don't have to do all of that mess. Now. 
The second reason is instead of paying for two bands, you're paying for one band. Okay. So you have two bands there. You're paying for one band, one, one run. You're not paying for two runs. You're not paying for all this other stuff. So it's just hit it and forget it. And then the bands show up and it's easy to put them on the cigars. It's easy for the consumer to take off of the cigar and it always looks perfect. And that's the reason why we did it. It saves money on every angle and makes it easier for the end consumer. So it's a win-win-win. I'm going to tell you, I never noticed that until now. And that has to be one of the most uh, ingenuitive things I've seen recently. Didn't even catch that. Very well done, sir. That's just one of the things that we did. It's like, so but, um, tell us. Now, very few guys come out with a line like you, right? You were independent rep. You decided to have your own line, which which is not by any means a you know something new. It's happened, but very few say, "Hey, I'm going to go get my own factory so that only my stuff is rolled there." So, right. tell us how you decided to make your own brand, and and what was the process in in um, getting with Jr. Dominguez and, and opening up your own factory? Okay, well. You know, after 80 years combined between me and my dad and my grandfather at building other people's brands, I realized that, you know, well, once you once you get a company to a certain size, then they want to a lot of times they want to hire inside salespeople and stop being commissioned rep to sell a product. Um, and so, you know, after building a lot of companies and having pulled out from under us and that doesn't upset me okay, because that's just the way it is. And we take a lot of pride to get company to that area but you know after so many times of having brands pulled out from under you i just said you know what my family spent 80 years doing this for other people i need to take all of that knowledge that i've learned from all of these amazing people and and these amazing factories and these amazing manufacturing processes and i need to put it i can do it myself i know how to market the cigars i've been i've been telling people stories and you know building uh, hype behind brands for for so many years. I can do this better than any of these people, in my opinion. And, and that's I'm just please don't take that statement wrong. I just felt like from all the knowledge that I got, I could take all of that and put it together into one cigar, into one like philosophy of doing business. And and that's what I did. So basically, in 2010, I think it was uh, was when I made the decision. I went over to the Dominican Republic, uh, and the, uh, there's a gentleman over there named Joselito Dominguez. Not only know who Joselito is, Joselito makes 20 million cigars a year. Okay, and he makes a lot of private label brands for big, major, national and international companies. Um, and so he wanted me to do something different with him, and then. After telling me his story, I realized, you know, this actually might be the, the situation that I need to, I think that, that, you know, this is a solid guy and a really great human being. And so we, we hit it off right away. And then I met his son, uh, J.R. Dominguez. And then his son and I hit it off. And so I said, you know what? This, this kid, because I think he was 22 at the time. I said, this kid's the future. I said, I can, you know, he and I can, may lose my earpiece, so I may have to jump onto something else in just a second. 
but um, he, so we decided to leverage the power of his dad, which has an eight city block factory in Antioch. Wow. And so we built, we built our factory inside that compound, which it is a compound. Okay. It's huge. You have to drive. A lot of people don't even know where that factory is. You have to drive through some neighborhoods and then you're driving through some residential area. And all of a sudden it opens up to this eight city block mega factory. And, and so we're inside that compound and there's actually, uh, there's, JR has a, another factory in there called Maya Cubana. And then JR in my factory is the Bacaleta LA Indus Cubana, which was the first one that was created. And JR created a side factory. Cigars are made. Jose Dominguez cigars. So um, that's how we, we started that. And the whole uh, foundation of that factory was that every single cigar rolled in that factory, no matter what it is, is only rolled into a bottle or into bar or into bottle. All three of those words are Spanish for tubing. So basically 95% of the factories in the world, they roll their, their cigars by folding the filler and then they bunch it and then they put the binder leaf on it and put it in the Right. 5% of the worldwide factories, uh, this originated in Cuba, roll in the into a bottle method. And that's taking each filler leaf by hand and rolling them separate. And then you pull the separate rolls together and then you put the binder leaf on it and then put it. What that does is that creates straight up and down airflow in the cigar. So every cigar we make in our factory is going to have an effortless draw every single time. We, we call our cigars mini vacations because you don't have to babysit them. You don't have to change their diapers. You don't have to, you know, uh, keep doing touch-ups and all that stuff or cigars burn properly, they draw properly, they have amazing flavor. Okay, and so that's just a couple of processes. I haven't even gotten started yet, but I'm losing my earpiece. So say you might want to switch it up, Scott. Yeah, I'm gonna switch it up real quick. We can always you can always use the microphone on your on your phone if you have to. And just so we're I, I still I still have it. It was just one uh, Okay. No. No, I've still got you. I'm good. I'm right, sorry. So okay. just, just so we're clear, um, that's a longer and harder process of making cigars. Sure. Yeah, it cuts our cuts our production down by 30%. Uh, we can't roll as many cigars in a day as um, per roller, per team of rollers, per pair. And, and for the listeners, a pair of rollers is a person who does the wrapper and a person who does the intubile. They sit next to each other, and it's called a rolling. The buncher, so, buncher and the wrapper. Yeah, exactly. So we have um, we have uh, our our pairs of rollers can't roll as many cigars as most other rollers. It cuts their production down by thirty percent, but it's worth it because um, it, it, unless there's something that I don't remember, uh, I've never taken back one cigar due to any type of draw defect uh, since I've been in business. So that's why you go through the process. It's a, it's a consistency and a reliability that the end consumer can count on when they go in and they buy one of my products. If they buy an iconic leaf um, um, into bio cigar out of the honeycombs that we make, or they buy any of our uh, luxury brands, the recluse line, uh, they know that 
anytime they pick up the cigar, they can count on that cigar having a great draw and a great burn. As a matter of fact, guys, uh, a lot of people don't know this, uh, but you don't really have to cut the cigars that I make. Uh, if you look at this cigar, okay, get it right there in the camera. See the, see the tip of that cigar? Yeah. I didn't cut that. Okay. On just about any of my cigars, because of the way that we do the cats and the, and the roll. Okay. All you do is grab the opposite corners, not the sides, but the opposite corners and squeeze it. And the cap will pop and you can pull that flap off while you're pinching it. Don't do it while you're not pinching it. Do it while you're pinching, while you're squeezing it and then pull the flap off. And because it's rolled into a bottle, it's going to have that effortless draw. Now, if that was done with a bunch, you know, with a folded filler, um, the draw is not going to live up to its full potential. But the reason why you're able to do that is because the way we do the cap and because we do the into bottle, the tubing method and the rolling. If we didn't do that, I wouldn't wouldn't advise you to, to do your cigar that way. So. I'm not sure of what it won't make you squat to pee means. <laughs> what are you reading that from are right there in the comments can you the comments. Is, that, is that some carolina saying that we don't know about scott okay so that's oh, so i guess he knows <laughs> so um yeah so so here's where that comment came from so how i knew scott would know <laughs> So, hang on a second. <laughs> so, another technique that we use, this is going to lead into that, that comment, if you'll allow me. One of the other things that we do is um, every leaf of cigar in the world has ammonia in it. you got to get that ammonia out. That's done in a process called fermentation. Most factories ferment for one to six months. My factory is the only factory that I know of that ferments all of the filler leaf and all of the binder for two years, okay? You can't ferment the wrapper for two years because the longer you ferment, the darker the leaf gets. So you don't want a shade wrapper looking like a madoodle, okay? So so all of the filler and all of the binder in all of the recluse branded luxury line is fermented for two years. So what that does is that gives you all of the flavor, but with none of the baggage. So you'll get a cigar, so we're able to use some really full flavored leaf, but and because we ferment it for two years, you get lots of flavor and, and it won't make you squat the pee. Okay. So <laughs> it will not be in there. Okay. Cause it's, it's, it's smooth. So that goes in, you know, like every recluse cigar, every recluse branded cigar is like, it's like a scenic ride through the countryside without a car crash at the end of your destination. You're not going to have to, like I said, you're not going to have to babysit the cigar. You're not going to have to be tormented. People go to work every day and they work all day and then they get a chance to have a cigar. The last thing they want to do is go back to work with the cigar. Okay. When you're off work, you're off work. And when you have a cigar, I want you to be able to relax and enjoy it. I don't want you to go back to work. I don't want you to sit there and like, you're looking forward to this moment all day where you can like, sit back and relax and blow off the day and think about life and think about the things you want to do and, and be philosophical or whatever it is you want to do. And then you got to sit there and babysit the cigar for an hour and a half. It's a turd sandwich. I don't want my customers having to do that. Okay. I, I want their cigar to be a mini vacation. That's it. 
so, so Scott, for any of our listeners and fans out there who may be unfamiliar with the, your line, tell us a little bit about the variations of your line and where they where they stand on the blend spectrum, and you know what someone could expect smoking some of your lines. Okay, so uh, one of my really popular uh, uh, blends, and I think that's the one that you're actually smoking in the studio, if I'm not mistaken, unless you switched up, is the Amadeus White Label. Okay, the Amadeus White Label is actually that and the Draconian are tied for my favorite, but it's like picking between your kids. You know what I mean? I love all of them, but those are the two that I seem to gravitate to the most. Now, the Amadeus White Label, okay, this cigar is very interesting, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, first of all, every year the farmers, they grade their crops A through F, and that's how they, how they, um, how they, they price them. And A is considered perfect and without flaw. This Amadeus White Label has an Ecuadorian grade A shade wrapper. Okay. Then the binder is Sumatra. The filler is Dominican Ligero, a two-leaf Dominican Ligero, Dominican Viso. And then, okay, you say, okay, that just sounds like a regular shade cigar. Okay. What's different about that? Well, I'm going to tell you. All right. So we take a little bit of Pennsylvania broad. You can't use a whole half leaf. Okay. You have to use a certain percentage. And this is where the secret comes in. You have to know what section that it comes from because different sections of the leaf have different levels of mineral deposits in it. And Pennsylvania broadleaf is a very full flavored leaf. So if you use too much of it, it's like putting too much gin in a Long Island iced tea. You screw up the drink. It overpowers right. it. So so, but if you use just a percentage from the certain part of the leaf every single time, it's like plugging an electric guitar into an amplifier. Okay. It really brings out the music in the cigar. All right. So when you, a lot of people look at the cigar and they think, oh, that's a mild cigar. Let me tell you something. This is a universal cigar. Okay. I can give this cigar to a full flavored cigar smoker. I can give it to a medium cigar smoker. I can give it to a mild cigar smoker. They all love this cigar because it has something for everybody. Okay. That's, and I mean, it, every place that this cigar is placed in retail, it sells. You know, so that's the Recluse Amadeus White Label. And incidentally, folks, just to take a little speed bump on the conversation, if you'll notice, almost every cigar that we're holding up and have shown has been box print. What a lot of people don't know is why cigars are box spread. This is a, is a, has a significant function in, that ties in with everything else that, that I do with the cigar. First of all, you need three things for combustion. You need fuel, air, and heat. If you take a round cigar and you box press it, what you're doing is you're compressing the airspace in the blend. You're forcing the cigar to burn slower and burn cooler. Now, if you do that in conjunction with the folded filler, the draw never lives up to its full potential. But if you do it in conjunction with the intubal, the tubing of the filler, then you get a cigar that burns slower, burns cooler, and has an effortless draw. And then with the two years of fermentation, you get all the flavor without the bag. So it all ties together. And without one, the others don't function right. But when you bring all these different processes that I've explained to you together, it's like the perfect storm. It's like a Picasso. You brought it all together and made this beautiful piece of art that works and everything is in harmony. 
So that's the recluse Amadeus white label. All right. Then uh, because of the popularity of the recluse Amadeus white label, I, uh, everybody was asking, you know, what are you going to come out with next? What are you going to do next with this Amadeus? So uh, I came out with the Amadeus Habano Reserva, which has an Ecuadorian grade A Habano wrapper. And it has a uh, San Andreas binder, if I remember correctly. Like I said, my brain's shrapnel. I came off of uh, two weeks in Vegas and then having Jeff Groover here at the house for you know, several days and now he's back at the house. <laughs> so last night was margarita night, but I believe the, uh, <laughs> I believe, yeah, we had, and, and what Abe was saying earlier about the liquor store, he went to make a liquor run. I'm sure all you guys know Jeff Brewer, probably a lot of your audience knows him. Um, he's one of the best sales reps out there. But anyway, so we had to make, he had to make a tequila run. He went to the liquor store. There was nothing. Was nothing. He bought some brand of tequila I've never heard of before, but it, it, Jeff used to be a bartender as well. So he made chicken salad out of chicken chip and like we had some really good margaritas, but we might've had two men. So anyways, back to the story. <laughs> Looks like you might need a little tequila this morning. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, listen, man, I have my, I have my life smoothie that I put uh, espresso in fruit in, protein and all kinds of this stuff, you know, I don't, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I get so wired up off of that thing. I can't even stand it. So the next thing was the recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva. And it has a Ecuadorian grade A Habano. I believe it's a San Andreas binder, but please forgive me if it's a Sumatra. I, I just can't remember right now. And the filler is the Dominican Lijero, the, the same Dominican Viso, and then uh, Dominican Seco. And then it has a little bit of uh, 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 Nicaraguan in it, just a little bit. And so that cigar within nine months got cigar of the year on one of the, uh, one of a, a very well-known prestigious uh, review that does an annual review and they don't pick a number two or a number three. You either win it or you don't. And I think that year it was between uh, us, Perdomo, Avo, Camacho, and Tatawai. And 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 we won the cigar of the year. Which and which 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 one was that? Uh, it was on the. Well, I don't like to mention another place, but it's, it's Cigar Authority. Oh yeah, Dave's. Yeah, it's okay. And they've been picking number one cigar since 1992, since Cigar Aficionado came out, and they've been doing this every year. And so it's kind of a big thing for them. They do it based on sales, customer votes, employee votes, and then they put it all together. And, you know, they do like a blind thing and then they put it all together and then they pick the cigar. Paul, you're on mute in case you tried saying something. I heard your book. Oh, just just so you know, Scott, your your memory serves you correctly. The uh, the binder is Mexican San Andres on the uh, Amadeus Habano Reserva. OK, thank you. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was in a restaurant where the waiter reads off the specials too fast. <laughs> Scott was just Sorry. rolling. He was just rolling on, on, those, on those blends. Yeah, well, you got to know what you what you make, you know. Um, you we like I I really like so I've smoked the white label one a few times, and I think last time we saw you possibly you gave me a draconian, but I've I've smoked that at Abe's shop a few times now, and I think that's that's my favorite. Have we talked about that one yet? Because I think that's one that a lot of people like as well. Yeah, let's do that because um, 
that um, that the the recluse draconian, okay, which when you see it in the store, you'll notice that it has the um, I would say the secondary band, but it's all the band is one piece. So you'll see it in the red letters on the band. Look for that. This um, this cigar is something that I created because one of the things that after my years in the industry was people asking about Cuban cigars. When do you think Cuba's going to open up? What do you think about this cigar? What do you think about that Cuban cigar? And I'm like, you know, I understand what goes on in a lot of the Cuban factories and what, and most of the Cuban cigars that I'm gifted, I just give them to somebody else that's going to appreciate them because I don't appreciate them. And, and because I, I know too much about it. And like, to me, it's like a crapshoot. Half of the cigars you get don't burn right, or they don't draw right, or they don't taste right. And so, you know, what's the point? That's not why I go to a cigar. I go to a cigar to, you know, I don't want to keep using the same phrase, but it works. I, I go to a cigar to have a mini vacation, to have a, a, a break from everything and to be able to relax and to just collect my thoughts and put everything together in my brain. And, and just to be able to chill out while I'm doing it. I don't want to sit there and fight with a cigar. So anyways, to get back to the blend, because uh, I tend to, to take it. So this blend I created to be better than any Cuban cigar I ever smoked, okay? And, and it's the most complex blend that I've ever made. This cigar has a Ecuadorian Maduro wrapper, okay? The, the binder is Sumatra for the burn. And in that Sumatra binder has excellent flavor. And then the blend in the middle is Dominican Ligero, Dominican Viso. Uh, and uh, we put Dominican Seco in there. And then, uh, no, I'm sorry, Dominican Viso, uh, Dominican Ligero. And then we use a leaf called Braziago. Okay. Braziago is a hybrid of a Brazilian and a Dominican Olor. Okay, so there's this Brazilian leaf that we really love the flavor, but the crops are not consistent. It's a very sensitive leaf. So what we did was we took the stalk from that Brazil and we grafted it on. Hang on, I'm gonna have to switch up real quick. That's okay. We can still hear you. Come out. You're fine. All right. So <laughs> we. <laughs> He's got replacements. Yeah, you got failing to prepare, preparing to fail, you know. So, so the so we take that stalk from that Brazilian leaf, and then we graft it on to the Dominican olor, okay. And then we grow that plant, and at that point, it's a hybrid because that Dominican olor is more resistant to those problems that the Brazilian uh, leaf had. So, we take that, and then you have a consistent flavor from that Brazilian that's mingled with the Dominican allure, but then you get the consistency of the crop every year. So we use that Braziago. And then the, the, the next leaf is a seed strain that we developed. Okay. It's called Iconic Lijero. It's named after the company. And what you'll notice whenever you smoke the, um, the recluse draconian, you don't get dry mouth. Okay. So that, Iconically, Harrow stimulates the saliva gland and it has the most amazing flavor and, and nobody else can get it. I, I We're not going to tell anybody else. In all okay. my years, I've never 
experienced a dissertation that included agriculture, chemistry, biology. <laughs> biology. But if, if, if this was all too much for you, I'm telling you guys, uh, come to a great smoke where you can get this five hour dissertation from Scott. <laughs> because Scott's very well known to hold up the lines. He, Scott has a reputation to hold up the great smoke lines for, <clears throat> as he does this dissertation personally, Scott, <laughs> for each person, but, each but person. he loves it. He loves, he loves what he does. He loves his product and they're great cigars too. I mean, Scott There's takes no, it very, very seriously. It's not a joke with Scott. So, um, and uh, yeah. invitations will be going out. Scott has hosted the after party. God, I don't know for what the last three, four years, maybe. I think it's yeah. I think it's something like that. I really love doing that. I hope you guys will have me back again for that. It, invitations will be going out August, so uh, we'll be putting it. Jeez, uh, let's say this couple weeks. I know. Yeah. Um, but the invitations will be going out August. We'll be doing a uh, great smoke going back to the live in-person event, and we will incorporate a virtual component for our many friends and fans and patrons all over the country who cannot make it down. We're hoping to make another epic uh, moment in cigar event history uh, this coming February. But that being said, has our man been in the wings? We've gone very long. Is, is Coop there? Oh, yeah, he's he's always ready to go, man. Let's see what the scoop with Coop is. Hey, yo, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Not too far away from our Meet Your Maker guest, Today in the Carolinas is William Cooper. Coop, welcome to KMA. Hey, everybody. Hey, Scott. What's going on? What's up, Will? How are you, brother? Doing good, doing good, doing good. You guys aren't that far away, right, Coop? No, Scott's That's actually one of the few guys who's been in the Coop studio, or the old Coop studio. It was, uh, so he's, he's actually done our show in person. Coop, you probably need a little bit more volume, or is it just me? No, no I could use a little bit more. He's How's that right. now? How's oh, yeah. Better? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, so Scott's actually been in the Coop Studios uh, before it was kind of redone. Now, now it's a lot nicer. Now it has to the drive. Right now. <laughs> now he won't have me back now that he's, he's got the big studio. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's it's actually just now organized is, is the difference. It's in the same place. And Bro, he's, oh, so he's actually, he's actually seen the compound, the Coop compound. He's seen it. He's seen the Coop compound. I don't know wow. if he's been in the parlor. I don't know if he's been in the parlor, but but he's got an invitation to the parlor anytime he wants. Wow. Yeah. I've been there. I met his wife. Um, See, so people have the... met my wife. So there's a truth <laughs> to that. Yeah. He exists. Coop does have a wife. Everybody out there, I know I've met her, so I can verify that. I'll be willing to <laughs> sign an affidavit to attest to it. That's funny. That's so, interesting. Coop, interesting week, post-show, post Post show, post shows. What's uh, what's your take on the news this week? Um, let me before we get into the news because I wanted to kind of address something that came up at the beginning about these influences that were at the show. Oh, I didn't think you were going to let that slide. No, no um, I didn't see it as a major problem. Okay, there were some what, there were issues that I heard about. Is what I'll just say. I don't think it was a a, a rampant problem throughout the whole show. What were the issues? Because I must have missed it. It was 
it was basically the issues that we faced as online media 10 years ago. Um, there's a, allegations of interfering with business. And I'm saying allegations because I just didn't see it happen, okay? Um, you know, getting in the way of business, which is kind of the big no-no if you're any type of media there. So the manufacturers or some of the manufacturers have made this claim, or is this just a rumor? This is what I've heard from – I've heard this from manufacturers, retailers, okay. and other media, okay? Okay. But here's the thing is what I do – what I also know is um, – or I should say allegedly, these influencers did not get in with media credentials. They, were, they got in, ironically, by manufacturer badges, which is another big no. And typically when you try to skirt the rules of the trade show and you're not in under the right credentials, this is where the problems have historically occurred and time and time again. So I want I want to I want to kind of maybe an, answer Dan Marsh's question about what an influencer is. So I don't know what the exact definition is, but see, I look at Coop as a media person because he's actually delivering news and content. I think influencers are just sharing experiences. They'll go, they'll live stream. You know, it's just more about what's going on in the moment than delivering some educational content formula. I don't know if that's a real definition or not. Well, but that's the way I see it. Well, but more importantly, they usually represent a particular, particular or, or several or, brands. Right. I think I think that's the more standard thing where an influencer represents certain key things. I don't think there's anybody in our industry that does it. You know, maybe and sure there are. There are okay. Then yeah, yeah, and you probably you you may not know it, so they're not they're not as outright about it. But there's there's influencers that in their pictures it's uh, the ones i know about are are mostly women that that have like deals with with cigar brands now, now supposedly there was and again i heard a story of someone trying to sell a calendar i don't know if that's because i didn't see it i don't know if it's true yeah, that's, technically, like that. that's technically a big no at the trade show man was i even there this year i didn't catch any of this shit. well why is that, that a big why, no coop because technically media they didn't have a booth you want know, okay. go get a booth yeah, yeah, that's exactly what the case is. Okay. So, but you know, but, just yeah. so you know, too, that's been going on for decades. Right. It, forget, it, forget selling calendars. I've seen people come with duffel bags who didn't get a booth, and then would stop you and say, "Hey, I have a brand." You know? Oh yeah, where's your booth? Oh no, I didn't get a booth. But here, let me show you. And they're pulling shit out of their duffel bag. So that's. Yeah, I mean, and look, and look, Charlie Minato of Half Wheels paying a lot of money for a booth on the floor to cover the trade show. Yeah. And someone else is able to go and sell their product. That's it's an issue that should not be allowed. Um, but like you, Abe, I didn't see this. Um, it didn't affect us, is what I'm, I'm kind of getting. Yeah, at. I didn't see it that much either. But so, you know, but here's the difference, Coop. Like this could be the first show we went to that you and I probably didn't say five words to each other. We, we I didn't even see Scott. I feel horrible. I the, we, we had our new team in this year, four people, right? You were and running it, around like a madman. I was running around like a madman this year. We had to do a better. We had to do a better. We have to do a better job next year on that. But it was it was hard this year, and it's it know, was hard. I mean, look, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. You had your first four man team. I was dealing with warehouse, you know, orders. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't really have time to notice crap like that, to be honest with you. So it very well. Went over my head, most likely. Yeah, um, and I agree. And what I'll say is, I do think there is a role for influencers at our trade show, but I think that the PCA needs to figure out how they want to leverage influencers. Um, I've like people have asked my opinion. That's not my domain to decide who gets in or who gets out. Like I could just say, all right, this is what I do with media. 
PCA, it's up to you to think I'm good enough to be in his media. But so I, th- I but I do personally think there's a role for that because this trade show can use all the promotion it can get. It's just I think it has to be under a set of criteria and guidelines. Uh, so I think I think as always, it, yeah. it, it, the problem lies with the manufacturers or whoever's just letting people in and bypassing the process. Right. I think if they let people go through the process that was created to vet situations and handle it it would be less problematic. But anytime you start just opening the door and letting anybody in, I mean, look, look, I, like you said, I didn't see it, but look at the headaches they had with maybe, I don't know, a few people who weren't supposed to be there, who got, got in the way of things. Now imagine letting a whole bunch of consumers run wild on that floor. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. That was a green fart. Yeah. We're real. still paying online media for 10 years ago. There were a couple of guys in with the trick-or-treat bags. There were like two, I think, media guys went in thinking it was a herf with trick-or-treat bags. And for 10 years, online media has still been trying to dig out from this, right, because of two people. Um, so it's, I don't think it's ever been a widespread problem. It's, it's a problem that's been out there, like you said, Abe. I think this year it came to light a little more, namely because what I heard is they got into the manufacturer badges after they couldn't get in with media badges. What do you think about, what do you think about classifying – uh, the media for their different types of deal, like uh, lit, uh, literary and blog or whatever, radio, podcaster, influencer, influencer. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, that I agree. Know, that. Yeah, I think that would be helpful. That way, the manufacturer knows who they're dealing with and what type of media they're dealing with um, when when they're approached by them, and it also, um, you know. I think it would be beneficial because here's the thing, Coop and Abe, you know, Coop, Coop and Charlie, um, when I say Charlie, I mean from Half Wheel, which Coop has, has mentioned, but but Cigar Coop, William Cooper and, and Charlie Minato, in my opinion, the, they're the two best literary writers in the industry. Uh, they actually put energy and dedication and time into like putting together the best product for the for the for the consumer of that information that they can uh will has busted his ass for i think nine is it is it let's see since 2009 so i think it's 12 years now will isn't it and he's been busting his ass this whole time like dedicated time so many reviews and so long he was just on his own you know, and now he's got some help, which is good. You know, he's, 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 you know, there's strength in numbers, but these guys, they're putting so much energy into the business uh, with their, with their literary content and their, their streaming content. And they're just like fulfilling almost every different type of media, except for actual magazine print media. Uh, And, and so that's the top of the food chain, in my opinion. Now, I don't want to step on any landmines or pee on anybody's Cheerios because there's, you know, what I'm talking about is a complete media uh, uh, supply. And and so I think Will's kind of got the market cornered on that. And, and you know, there's so many other people out there that are doing, uh, you know, radio, uh, blog that are putting a tremendous amount of their time into it and putting a lot of dedication into what they're doing and growing. You know what I got a little bit of a head start. You know, you know what I really miss from this show? Sound bites. Uh, 
I yeah. miss Colin because let me just tell you something. Those are two sound bites we need right there taken this week, right? You don't have to squat when you pee, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to piss in anybody's Cheerios. <laughs> There's two sound bites we need yeah. to pick up off of this yeah. show. Yeah. But the, go ahead, Coop. Tell us what you got in the news this week. Um, so there's some actually interesting as all the products came out of PCA. Um, some of the companies that weren't at PCA are actually making product announcements. Uh, there was a couple of interesting ones. The first one is comes from the diesel brand. I don't know if you saw this one yesterday. Uh, they are announcing that. they are announcing a new. I'm trying not to laugh at this one. Justin's gonna kill me. They're announcing a new seasonal series of cigars known as Sunday Gravy. All right. So it's uh -oh. kind of a collection of cigars inspired by the sauce versus gravy debate. Um, what's kind of interesting about this is, and I just kind of, I even mentioned this to Justin last night a bit. There, this is going to be like a seasonal series of cigars. It's, it's supposed to come out like quarterly with different small batch blends. And, and Justin was telling me they were able to procure a lot of, uh, you know, tobaccos that were kind of rare tobaccos out of A.J. Fernandez. So this first one is going to be called uh, San Marzano. Uh, it's a 6x54 Toro uh, Ecuadorian Habano Nicaraguan Guts blend that's coming out. I thought it was a little unusual in this environment to come out with a series like this, given everything going on with the supply chain right now. I just said, this is kind of weird timing at this point to do this. You know, for me as a retailer, it's kind of an odd brand. You know, I, I just had this conversation strictly about that brand with somebody. Um, I don't know if it was on Facebook, Messenger, or in person. I can't remember. But, you know, it, it's very hard as a retailer to get behind that brand because it, forever it was a CI house brand. Yeah. And when it was, then when it was acquired by um, uh, STC General. Right. Um, they, they tried to develop into a brick and mortar brand, but it's still hard to get behind it as a brick and mortar because if you look at the three or four renditions they offer for brick and mortar, and then you go to their website, there's 14 variations of other brands that sell at half the price, right? So it looks like it's still kind of, for me and mentally, it's still a CI house brand, you know, in my head. Yeah, like I said, I, you're not the only person who said that to me. I've gotten that feedback from a few other retailers as well. Yeah, you want me to get behind as a retailer, but then you're offering 14 variations at half the price that I can't get as a retailer. Doesn't, yeah, yeah. Doesn't so, really sound like it's a brick-and-mortar brand. So what they did with this one is they priced the cigars at $5. Of course. Right. So, yeah, that's what I thought was interesting. And I, and I kind of, when, I, when you're saying that now, it kind of is clicking. Yeah, maybe that's why this is coming out, to be a response to that. Maybe because I've actually probably I think I probably even said that to them, you know. Yeah, could no, be. Good, good point. Good point. What else you got going on, Coop? Um, so out of we talked about that's from the Scandinavian tobacco side. Out of the Davidoff side, a major announcement came: uh, a new Avo brand. Uh, so new Avo Synchro brand. This is the Synchro Carib. Carib. I guess I'm saying it right. Um, so this is a, a blend that's like the Alba Synchro is kind of they've done different regions. They first did a couple blends with Nicaragua. They did the South America one. Now they're going into the Caribbean one. So this is a, more of a blend that has more Caribbean tobaccos in it. Uh, it's highlighted by a Dominican wrapper. Um, and it's going to come in three sizes, a 5x50, 6x52, and a 6x60. Uh, it's kind of got some pretty cool packaging like the Alba Synchro things have had. This is going to be coming out next month. Um, the other thing that they're kind of, uh, you know, this is kind of a, also going to be a regular production out of AVA, which we haven't seen really a, 
an all-new regular production from them in a while. Are you holding one of them, Abe? Is that what you were holding up? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it is. I actually had it. It was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, we just we just got something to try. So yeah, yeah. we got them the other day. So he, when he said six by fifty two, I'm like, God, this looks longer than six. Is this the one he gave me? But I just measured it. Yep, this is it. Uh, I was wondering what you were kind of doing there. That was kind that, of uh... that's the cigar. I'll let you know. Yep. <laughs> um. Then uh, one other thing. It's one other news item. This also comes from General. I should have mentioned this one. Is uh. There's a new Macanudo that's uh, hitting the stores. It's uh, under the M by Macanudo series. It's called uh, the M by Macanudo Espresso. So, it's, but the difference is, it's the first Macanudo that's it's it's a flavored Macanudo, which is what the M by Macanudo line is. But it's the first barber pole to come out under the Macanudo line. So that's going to start hitting the stores next month as well. I have a question about that. So, did you say it was called Espresso? Espresso. That's interesting because how does that work? Because Great Cliff um, has made a cigar called Espresso for uh, 15 years. Are they, wow. still, are, are, they, yeah. are they still in business? Well, they were at the trade show. So, I, didn't, I didn't even notice. They were at the trade show. So, Scott, this, this kind of complete, we have this like media uh, chat group. And every time one of these come up, like we we, we wonder if it's a uh, a clash. This one didn't. None of us mentioned this one this week. That's that's a good one, Scott. I don't know the answer to that, but that's I, a good I, one. I, I think oh, it's probably oh. because most people, Great Cliff, has kind of <laughs> went to the fringes of the awareness of this industry. Well, but also, you know, it's interesting because, like, um, you know, Nub Cafe kind of like got away from all that terminology for like FDA purposes. You know, it was like it was the it, it became the nub nuance because they wanted to get rid of like yeah. cafe and that kind of food type name usage with the cigar. So it's interesting that they're actually going that way when a lot of I, I, a lot think, of manufacturers I, got away I, I from think it. The fear by most manufacturers, not most, some for sure, some don't care, is just coming out with anything that looks like it may be geared toward underage smokers. You know, um, and I, I think that's because that's been our claim is that we don't cater, we don't market, we don't, you know, there's no Joe Camel of our industry. And um, I think that line gets crossed a little bit sometimes. But there are Cookie Monster and Big Bird cigars. Out I, I wasn't going there. I, I, I did. There. I did. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't going there. Man. But, 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 but it just, you know, that, you know, people don't realize how dangerous that is how it unraveling is. that is and especially when they're newcomers to the industry that thinks it's funny or it's cool or it's a gimmick and the consumers don't realize the danger those kind of games pose and what a lack of understanding of what some of these new companies just don't understand what this industry has been going through for a decade and a half plus yeah. of fighting and legislation and trying to carve it out but it just it just shows a lack of care a lot of one million percent agree with you. Yeah, and there's it actually really does. And it's funny is some of these yep. people who are doing this. They're claiming their claim is they're renovating. They're 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 changing the industry, and they're no, they're actually oh. implementing and an impossible unraveling of decades of work don't. to protect this industry. And unfortunately, most of the consumers don't know it because a lot of the consumers that are into those brands are people who are just getting into the. 
to the lifestyle and to the culture and don't even understand the history of what's been going on for the last two decades. But right. it, it really is. It's very hard for us to sit in the Supreme Courts and sit in front of judges and explain how we don't cater to children when when parts of our industry is pulling off stuff like this. You know, I mean, it's, it's sad. Yep. I, I hate it. I wish everybody would stop it immediately. Anybody yep. that's doing it. And I know some very successful retailers that have done stuff like that. And I just wholeheartedly disagree with it. And I think they should stop. I, I yes, agree. And, and, and some of these people are the very people who preach, oh, we're not in it for the money. Well, what else are you doing it for? Because you ain't helping this industry with crap like that. That's the problem, too. Yep. Well said. What else you got going on, Coop? Uh, last thing I'll just mention um, is uh, we had a, we had another bad day in court uh, against the FDA. Uh, the cigar industry lost their appeals against the uh, FDA. They were they were appealing stuff around the the grant the date of the, the grandfather date. Um, user fees and uh, timetable for substantial equivalents, et cetera. So that was a big loss. Uh, there's been nothing reported from the trade associations on that, which has just been perplexing. They don't want to. They don't want to talk about the losses. They don't want to talk about the losses, and this is. And I implore them to start talking about the losses because this transparency is ultimately going to help you get support. And here's the other thing: this was a costly battle. This appeals case, right? A lot of money was spent on this, and, and I know money's an issue with these trade associations right now. So I think you got to be a little more transparent about this because this wasn't a, a small court case. This was an appeals court you lost here. So I implore yeah, that. I know I'm going to get phone calls on this. I, I know I'm going to get phone calls on this, but something should have been acknowledged this week from the trade associations publicly on that. Well, they spent a lot of money. Maybe they want to advertise yeah. spent a lot of money. An appeal process is a very lengthy and expensive process. Yeah. But it was, it was a big hit, and I, and I think – were you at the – the little speech they gathered behind uh, the by the the Fuente J C Newman booth regarding the PCA, I wasn't. Okay, I think they talked about this exact. I mean, I, I there's so many cases I'm not sure, but I think they actually were talking about this one, saying how they thought they were going to win it. So, yeah, well, they did, I've heard people and I've heard other people say, well, it wasn't really that big a deal. I said, not big a deal. When you file an appeals claim, it's a big deal. You're spending a lot of money on that. I think they mean that it's not that big a deal that we're not any worse of a position than we were. Sure. But yeah, right. But it costs a lot of money, and and you know, yeah. You know, when you go to appeal process, you'd like to say, "Hey, man, we have a good shot of winning at appeal." You know, yeah. um, it, it's look, it's tough. Look, that whole we talked about it. I think a couple weeks on on KMA, that whole beating up the same 40, 50 people in this industry to try to fight legislation and lobby is just never going to survive. They the power is always in the people. They have to find the ways to get the people behind this to fund this. And if they don't do it, I just can't see how they're going to continue fighting. It's it's too hard of a battle. It's too costly of a battle. Yeah, Abe, and you know, when I looked at what you said on Monday night on Aaron's show about how it's the board has been pretty stagnant in terms of who's on it for the past decade, this is kind of the mentality we saw 10 years ago. It hasn't changed. And I think this is kind of when you don't see something come out like this, I think this is the reason why. Look, the same thing with the same thing with the CRA. Look, I I believe the CRA should be the the vehicle, the spearhead of legislative efforts. I, I do too. I, I think that's what they should focus on, um, and be the primary spearhead. Um, 
and maybe maybe let the CRA handle more of the local issues and stuff like that. But you know, I just got another text from from Nick well, Michael. Great video, Joe Rogan, man. He made him his own cigars. He's talking about it. spend money. Let this guy be our spokesperson. Absolutely. Give this guy whatever it takes, a hundred, hundred fifty thousand a year. Make him do a couple things. Let him be our spokesperson. A guy like this starts talking for us. Let gets half a million people to let us hit their credit card for one dollar a month. There's a half a million dollars a month for legislation. You would have such a huge in what he's. I mean, he's, Listen, he's I, I want to. I, I, I got. I got. Well, you know, because I got. I got so many ideas about this, but I just don't have an audience to listen to some of this. But while 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 we're on the air and maybe somebody that can make decisions is listening. The PCA, in my opinion, needs to have their own brand of cigars. Okay. They need to have their own brand. Okay. That's made by a manufacturer and all the profits from that brand sold nationally and internationally go to the PCA for fighting. Scott, Scott. what bad idea? No good. Why? Here's the problem. Okay. It's either going to go one or two directions, and we're not going to get into this because the show is kind of technically over at this point. But either you're going to have manufacturers arguing about who gets to make that cigar, or you're going to doubt, dilute the market with here's the PCA cigar that no one's going to care about after a year or two. The powers in the people. You have to rally the people of the United States of America, which there are tons of. You can't. We can't keep looking within. We are the most relatively small industry that I know of. And we can't keep looking within to fund major federal fights. Okay? It cannot be done. The same 30, 40 guys can't fund this kind of a battle. It's a big battle. The consumers have to get involved. Part of the problem is half of them, when you talk to them, whether it's in my stores or, you know, just out when I'm about, aren't even up to date on what's going on. They're living in this pseudo world of they think everything's okay. Um, so transparency, communication, getting a national spokesperson, there's recipes that need to go for long-term success and making PCA house brand is like making the TAA bread. It's the same regurgitation, right? It's this insistuous relationship that no, there's no new ideas. We're just taking the same models over and over again that show it hasn't worked, but that's my two cents on it. And if you want to do a special show, Scott, we could have you on. Maybe we'll get Scott Coop and we could talk. And some guys from the CRA, and we could talk about. It. I know Rocky's always busting my balls. Um, you know, he says I don't give him the ideas, but I do, and no one just listens. So, <laughs> you know, that's I, that. We we did just lose Scott. I think his battery died. Okay, maybe I, I was going to say I hope he didn't hang up because I said that was a bad idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Anything else you got going on, Coop? I uh, know we went over this week, so we're good. All right, so. Let's hit. Let's let's jump right into it and get to the tale of the tape, season two this week. All right, coming in at number six for me, top wrestlers is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, in fairness, my number six and number seven pick are pretty much interchangeable between The Rock. And uh, and Steve Austin, they were both the top guys in the Attitude Era. Um, Austin gets a nod for me because he had a little bit of a longer career to me. You know, we started in the '80s and '90s as uh, stunning Steve Austin, and uh, also as uh, with the Hollywood Blondes with Brian Pillman. 
But, uh, you know, Austin defined an era, and to me, he was a little more of the bigger star than The Rock, so that's why he kind of gets the nod one spot above The Rock. Go ahead, Coop. Uh, so my number six guy uh, is, is Harley Race. So Harley Race came along, if you're familiar with the, you know, obviously a lot of people are familiar with Ric Flair. Really, Harley Race was the, uh, the champion in the NWA where Ric Flair had a success before Flair was. So... Uh, tough guy from Kansas City, a, a great bad guy. Um, he was in some wars. He was in that era. He kind of passed the torch, a lot of people say, to Ric Flair. Uh, beat the Dusty Roses, the Tommy Riches. Um, you know, had some great battles with Flair. He went to the WWF later in his career, and it kind of was a little sadder because they, they had him as this king character walking around right. with brown and cape. But I don't think people remember Harley Race's heyday. He was one hell of a wrestler, and he's my number six pick. Oh. So there are the stats. Coop always picking guys. I, I do not know Harley Race. <laughs> Me neither. Harley yeah. Race is an absolute legend um, in the history of wrestling. And um, yeah, he lot, just, lands he, on a lot of lists. He lands he on a lot of lists, and here's I'm the not thing: familiar with him, but I know the Wrestle- name, and he lands on lists big time. Well, wrestling was more, you know, wrestling didn't have the national, uh, you know, it doesn't have the national exposure it did back in the late '70s, early '80s. But Harley Race, let me tell you, you Google him, watch some of his matches. This guy's going to be one hell of a wrestler. I know my number three wrestler is going to be in the same boat as, as six. I'm going to people can say who is he, and and but but once if you research the name, you'll know. So. There you have it. There you have it. Four more weeks, and we'll find out the number one. Uh, I want to thank Coop, as always, for being part of our show. Great big thanks going on to Scott Weeks. I'm sure we'll have him on again. We won't go so long to see what he has to say. Yeah, it's probably been over a year since we had him on last. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, A couple comments I want to address. Big Lake Scratcher. Uh, Have I considered doing a collaborated cigar with me and a manufacturer? It's called our Micro Blend Series. We're on number 17. So we've been doing it for over a decade. So look up uh, any of our micro blend series. They're one and dones. And um, currently, there's a couple out. The newest one we just released was The Anonymous by A.J. Fernandez, which so far, everybody I've seen who have smoked it seems to really, really like it like we do. So um, check that out. And I also want to wish our good friend Marshall Scott Henry uh, good luck. He had some major surgery, and it looks like he's got to go in under the knife again next week to redo some things. So just wanted to send our thoughts and prayers out to our good buddy. Hope everything goes well uh, with that. Again, he's been public. Hang about- in there, Marshall. Yep, hang in there. Get well, man. Next week, I'm sorry, fans, we have another best house. Paul has another function. And to be honest, we're, we got to get this warehouse up and going. So Alex and I said it might be all right to take another week off while Paul's out of town and focus on the warehouse. But we will be back in two weeks. We hope we entertained you, made you laugh, and maybe taught you a few things this Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you back in two weeks. Until then, keep it lit.